Good morning, everybody. It's always nice to be here with you guys. I have to say, I'm so glad that we have now moved down to where I can walk on the floor because I don't stand still well. And, uh, and so it was very challenging for me to stand in one place and talk the last time I was here. So I'm very excited. Um, anyway, it's always good to be with you here. And uh, how about this weather, right? Has spring finally come? Finally, it felt like it would never arrive, and I'm going to ignore the fact that I really should have had a scarf on today um, and pretend that it's still warm out there. Um, for me, one of the things I love about this is that it finally means we can resume our frequent trips to the ice cream shop. Um, so, I, you know, we are big fans of ice cream in our house, and uh, and we enjoy it. And my problem is that during the winter, um, we don't agree. So I stand in the ice cream aisle, and I look at our plethora of choices, and I recognize that no matter what I do, people will be unhappy. You see, um, you know, Rachel is a, is a chocolate peanut butter girl, and, uh, and then Meredith likes the mint chocolate chip, and, um, and Kevin really wanted to chew my ice cream. Like, that's, there's just something wrong with that in my mind. So that immediately eliminates cookie dough and mint chocolate chip, right? Um, the chocolate peanut butter, well, it kind of melts in my mouth so I can make do with that if I need to. Um, and ultimately, that's usually what I end up purchasing because then at least two people are somewhat happy in that choice. Um, and, you know, I'm cheap, so I'm not going to buy four gallons of ice cream, right? You know, like, come on, figure it out. And compromise is a good thing. You know, it's a good exercise for us to take part in. But, uh, but now we can go to the ice cream shop, and I can get chocolate marshmallow, which is my personal favorite, um, and they can all get their personal favorite ice creams, and we are happy because while any ice cream is good, your favorite ice cream is the best. Because we're all different, right? We have different tastes, we have different likes, we have different dislikes, different pet peeves. In education, we talk about the fact that we have different learning styles. You know, so when we went through school, we were taught, you know, you need to be able to teach to a variety of learning styles. You have those who are visual learners. You know, they like pictures, images. Um, they have a better understanding of spatial, um, a spatial relationship than others do. You have the oral, auditory, musical learners, those who prefer to use sounds and music. I fall in this one, and I, I, I know I fall in this one because almost all of the scripture I know, I know through song. It's rare that I won't start to sing something when someone quotes a scripture. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, I sang that in choir for years growing up, or things like that. So um, it's the same way. You know, we'll teach the little kids. We'll use lots of mnemonic rhymes, and we'll use lots of um, songs to teach them the days of the week or the calendar months, things like that. It's how they learn. Verbal or linguistic, you guys really like words. Whether you're reading them or listening to them, that's how you're processing and then we have the physical or kinesthetic learners. These are the people who really need to be fully immersed. It's a full body experience. Um, I teach online and I teach children who live in China and um, so they are learning English as a second language and we are big time using what we call TPR, which is um, total physical response. So everything we do, there is some kind of a physical motion for. So when you see me, you know, moving like crazy, there's a reason for that. My kids get mad at me because when they're not listening to me, I'll do this. I am speaking and they're like, we know, we're right here. This doesn't help. 
So logical or mathematical, I would love to tell you what this is, but I don't have it. Um, I am not the logical mathematical reasoning systems brain. It does not work for me that way. And I thank God he has put really good people around me that do think that way. Um, so that I can only give you a, you know, little itty bitty picture of because it's not my, not the way I learn. Um, social, some of us learn really, really well in groups and with other people, whereas um, some of us are the solitary learners. So, you know, if you were in college and you always had those study groups that you gravitated towards and you learned better when you could quiz each other and brainstorm together, that's that social piece. Some of you are like, just go away, leave me alone. I need to read, I need to flash, do my flashcards, I need to concentrate, that's that solitary learner. Um, and there's, so there's a wide variety of ways that we learn. And and there really is no denying that we do learn differently. We see it all the time. Just like we have different tastes, we learn differently, we have different gifts, different interests, different passions. Why? It's just happenstance? Did it just happen this way? Like a toss of the dice? No. No, because we are uniquely created by God. We were wired from the beginning differently for a reason. Psalm 139 tells us, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He knew what he was doing. He knew how he wired us. He knit us together. Are there any knitters out there? Are there any knitters here today? Any? I, have, uh, I have tried twice in my life to be a knitter. Um, the first time was years, years ago, um, and I took up knitting because I wanted to lose weight. Yeah. I probably need a new personal trainer. No. Um, no, really, there was some logic to this. See, I knew that my biggest time of weakness was that time at night when you sit down on the couch and you just snack. It's that hand to mouth. So I thought, hey, if I learn to knit, then my hands are busy. So I can still sit and watch TV. This is before I had kids and I had time to sit and watch TV. Um, and I can knit while I'm doing it, and it will keep my hands busy. And hey, look, bonus, I'll get a nice little scarf or something out of it. Um, and uh, so I tried then, and then I tried years and years later because I just thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool to be able to knit? could make people gifts. I could do little neat things. And that was like my earnest attempt to like make something decent out of my knitting. Um, let me tell you, it is harder than it looks. Man, I mean, I could lose an entire morning at AC Moore just choosing the yarn. You know, and then I've got to choose the needle size. Like, do I want the fat needles and the chunky big circles or do I want the little ones? And what about those things that are connected with the big ones? It's beyond me. There is great intentionality that goes into every stitch. And when you drop a stitch, you've got to go back and do it again. We have a group of knitters here at Hope, and they make prayer shawls and baby blankets, and I watch them, and I am ever amazed by the love 
and the care that they put into each and every one of their creations. They pray over them, they labor over them, and they know that those blankets and shawls are going to do They know that their creations are going to be used with a beautiful purpose in mind. How much more, how much more intimately, passionately, creatively, and lovingly did the creator of the universe make us? He created us with intention. And as we live and grow and breathe, he still knows us more and more. Again, Psalm 139 says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are before a word is on my tongue, Lord. You know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. He knows us so intimately because he created us to be the way we are. Ephesians tells us, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Kind of establishes two things for us. The first, he knew what he was doing when he created us. He knew what he was doing when he hardwired us the way that we are. He knows us more intimately than we even know ourselves. How many times in our lives have we looked back and said, oh, well, good thing God did that because if I'd been left to my own dithers, we'd be in trouble, right? He knows us better than we know ourselves. And the second thing is we have a purpose. We were created to know him. We were created to serve, to do the good things in his name for him that he prepared for us in advance. We may feel like we're still in the dark about what that is, but he isn't. And that is what this next series is about, getting personal. God knows us intimately. He knows us personally. His call is personal. His discipline is personal. His strength is personal. He has wired us each uniquely. So often we go into a church and we feel like it's supposed to be one size fits all that all Christians should think, act, look, respond exactly alike. And yes, there are certain characteristics that all Christ followers should possess. The first and most important being God's love. And there are certain core beliefs that we stand firm upon across the board. But guess that what? Beyond that, we are different. We are short, we are tall, We are fat, we are skinny, we speak different languages, we're different ethnicities. Some of us like chocolate marshmallows, some of us like cookie dough. And yet we somehow get stuck thinking that our experience with God should all look exactly alike. 
It's one of the reasons why we try to do things in variety here at Hope. It's one of the reasons why you're going to see, why we see lots of different speakers coming through, because each speaker presents a slightly different flavor, if you will. It's one of the reasons why we have um, worship songs and why we also have videos. Different people are spoken to by different things. Why we use drama as a part of our worship service. Different people are wired differently. And there are some things that your soul is immediately going to respond to, and that is awesome. And there are other things that it might not, and that's okay because guess what? Your neighbor's is. And that's why God provides such diversity within his creation. He is in all of it. You just may hear him more clearly in some areas than others. We often expect there to be this magic recipe that's going to bring us close to God. Um, And again, there are certain different disciplines that we are all called to. Prayer, scripture, giving, serving. These are all things that as Christians we are called to, but the expressions of those are going to look different. Which brings us again to why we come together as a church. Each of those different pieces, different expressions, are vital to being a healthy body. Over the next four weeks, we'll be looking at how truly personal God is with us. We'll see and talk about how God has engineered us to walk with him in unique ways, and we'll, we'll call those, that walking with him, we'll call those pathways. And we'll look at what it means to be passionate for God and for his kingdom. We will dive into what it means to be gifted by God, what our spiritual gifts are, and then how, by putting all of those pieces together, we realize that we work better as the body of Christ. That no one pathway, passion, or gift is more valuable than the other, and that all are needed to function well. Today, specifically, though, we're going to dive into pathways. So um, I don't know about you, But I personally will often kind of forget how intimate this relationship with God is supposed to be. You know, it becomes kind of a a corporate experience, and it's like, hey, yes, we're all, we're all, and God so loved the world, and God so loved, God so loved me. He knows me more intimately than I know myself. And it's through that intimate, personal relationship that he wants to connect with us. When um, my husband and I met in college, it was my, my freshman year, his sophomore year, and when we, um, when we first met, I knew immediately, right away, that I was going to marry him. Um, I told my roommate, who I'd known of all about 30 seconds, and she thought I was crazy. Um, and uh, it took him a little longer to get on board, but that's okay, he got there eventually. Um, <laughs> So we were friends for a while, and after a few months of that, it became clear that there was something more going on. So he gets there eventually. Um, and, uh, and so we were ready to have our first date. Now, we still kind of contest which was our first date, but we're going to talk about the one I think was our first date. Um, and so, you know, that first date, you really want to, like, do something that you're going to connect on, that it's going to bring you closer together, that you're going to enjoy, get to know that person, you know, that kind of a thing. Well, so for our first date... Um, we, I said, hey, let's go to the boardwalk. 
let's go to the boardwalk. We can get some Mac and Mango's pizza. So who hasn't been to Ocean City? People who live in North Jersey, which is where I was. Remember how I said I'm not so great? Yeah. Hmm. So that sweet boy drove almost three hours to the Ocean City boardwalk. And he's, and of course, there's no GPSs, guys. You know, there's not, put it in your GPS and it says, oh, it's three hours and 45 minutes, baby, you should choose something else. No, doesn't exist. Oh, I know where it is, hon. I know right where it is. Get in the car, go. I know the exit off the parkway. It's fine. About halfway there, he's like, so, where, where is it? <laughs> like, uh, it's like exit 25. We're on like 153. Sorry. So we did. We went down, we walked in the boardwalk. It was wonderful. We had Mac and Manko's pizza. We saw a really terrible movie in the Ocean City movie theater. It was great. And then we piled back into the car and drove another three hours back up to Montclair. But we learned a lot about each other on that first date. Six hours, the car will do it to you. Yes. But truly, one of the things we learned is that we really do enjoy road trips. I mean, to this day, we love a good road trip. My daughter will not admit it out loud, but she even said the other day, Meredith even said, she's like, I feel like we need a road trip. Ha! All that complaining, you really do love it deep down inside. <laughs> we learned a lot about each other. We still love movies. We still love road trips. For us, the opportunity to escape away from the pressures of the daily world and to be able to just connect has always been a pathway for us to get to know each other and reconnect better. It's really not all that different with God. I mean, Kevin and I, we can enjoy ourselves no matter what we're doing, right? We could go out running, and we have, and we have tried. And so we... <laughs> We go out running, and, but I find that the only connection we have is when he has to carry me home. <laughs> it's not quite as fulfilling as, you know, a long car ride might be. God can connect with us anywhere we are. But we are still wired to connect best in different ways. So one of, what we're going to do today is look at a few of these pathways, and I want you to see, is there one that connects with me? Do, you, do I start to talk about something and you just say, oh, yeah, that's me. That's absolutely me. Because it can be permission-giving to say, hey, it's okay that I really like it this way, and they don't. That's all right. And I can lean into this, and I can learn more this way, and that's a good thing. So. The first of these pathways is the intellectual pathway, okay? You are an intellectual. You love to wrestle with words and knowledge. For you, to, the study of scripture and theology comes easily. You love apologetics, the picking apart of things and the, and the, and the understanding things from different perspectives. And I don't understand this pathway. But my husband does. This is how he is wired. It wasn't a well, it was a little while ago now, that he said, hey, hon, why don't we try to read a book together? He's like, here's Tozer. It's great. I love this. I love this author. Why don't we read a chapter each and we can get together and talk about it? All right, hon, no problem. So, you know, he, I take the book and he takes the book. And, but a week later, he's like, so did you read it? And I'm like, I read the first paragraph 10 times and I still don't 
know what he said. And he said, come on, you read all the time. I read fluff all the time. I read things that doesn't matter what they say. I, I can't read Tozer. My brain starts to bleed. I said, how about you read it and just tell me what he's saying? If this is your pathway, though, there are fantastic authors out there for you. Tozer, Timothy Keller, there are great ways to press in and wrestle and learn and grow with God within this intellectual pathway. He will meet you there. It is awesome. Now, little plug, you saw we're starting the Passions, Pathways, Pathways, Passions, and Gifts small groups, both in the Voorhees campus and here. Um, and there's a lot that goes with each pathway. So there are some strengths, there are some cautions, there are some ways to stretch ourselves. We will be here all day if I go into that with each pathway. So if something intrigues you and you want to learn more, then sign up for the small group because we will dig deeper into everything we're going to be talking about today and throughout this whole series, okay? So that's my little disclaimer as we move from one to the next. So that's the intellectual pathway. The relational pathway. Spiritual growth comes most naturally for those of us in the relational pathway when we are with other people. It's that two or three are gathered thing, right? Um, half the time, I'm talking to somebody and I'm like, oh, that's what you meant, God. It's not even necessarily, although it often is, that someone speaks a great revelation to me, but so often it's just the process of talking it through with someone else that allows me to go, oh, as I'm saying this out loud, I'm realizing this is exactly what God was trying to tell me and I was, was ignoring, you know, privately. But now that I've said it out loud to someone, I can't really ignore it anymore. Our lives are often an open book. We recognize immediately the importance of small groups because that's what we're drawn to. Um, some of the biblical examples, I love that. So the, the Andrew, I mean, again and again and again, you see it. Everything is around a meal, you know? Everybody is always meeting around a meal and talking together. Andrew brought his brother Peter. Philip brought his friend Nathaniel. Um, the Samaritan woman went out and told her entire town about her encounter. Matthew invited his friends to a dinner party. Zacchaeus invited his friends to a dinner party. Again, it's this together. They're learning and meeting Jesus together. There's that relational piece that's woven throughout all that they do. Some of us have a serving pathway. You feel closest to God when you are actively serving God. Whether it is breaking up and setting down here, or being back with the children on a Sunday morning, whether it is working at a homeless shelter or sorting clothes at a thrift store, when you are actively serving others, you and that is awesome. In Acts, we meet a woman named uh, Dorcas. She was also called Tabitha, just a Greek translation. She was always doing all kinds of things for others. Service was where she met Jesus. Service is where she met Jesus. And then we have our worship pathway. I'm a big fan of this one, too. <laughs> Characteristics of the worship uh, pathway is this is where you meet God through worship. It might be corporate worship like what we hear where we are all singing the same verse, singing the same songs, lifting our voices to God. It might be private worship when you have that radio cranked in your car or when you are singing in your shower. Your soul praises God and that is when you feel alive. That is when you are singing suddenly take root in your heart and become something more. 
They carry a life of their own in your life. That is that worship pathway. King David, the Psalms, these are songs. We read them now, they sang them. He poured his heart and soul out through worship to God. He is a fantastic example of that worship pathway. The activist. The activist. Some of us are hardwired with a unique passion for God's kingdom. God lays a single-minded zeal upon our hearts. Where we see a hurt, we see a wrong, and everything we do is driven towards writing that. In a very real and concrete and zealous way, we are looking to bring God's kingdom of heaven to earth. Nehemiah is a fantastic example of that. So heart sick over the fact that the temple had not been rebuilt that even the king could see something was wrong. He would not be content until he was able to travel back and rebuild the walls of the temple. He had a passion and a zeal that was unprecedented and that was driven from God. The contemplative is another pathway. Some of you are uniquely gifted to be able to sit with God in silence. To be an intercession both for yourselves and for others. For you, God is most real when the distractions of the world have been completely removed. You hear him most clearly when he is all you can hear. I think of Anna the prophetess when I think of this gift. She had been widowed, had actually moved into living at the temple. Her entire life was devoted to prayer and worship and studying the scriptures, being quiet before the Lord. And when Jesus was brought in as a baby and presented at the temple, she knew immediately who he was. She had spent long years preparing her heart to know him. And that final pathway we call the creation pathway. This is someone who sees God's hand in nature. You feel most invigorated, most at home and close to God when you are out in his creation. I always think about the, the scripture where it tells us if we don't praise enough, and surely the rocks and trees and hills will. They just sing his praises every day. And that creation pathway, that's how people hear and see God. The clarity that comes in being in creation. I think of John the Baptist when I think of this, who chose to separate and live out in the wilderness. He truly heard and saw God in unique ways in the solitude that creation brought him. So did any one of these jump out at you? Did you have a gut reaction to one where you're like, oh yeah, it's me? I want to encourage you to embrace that. 
Recognize that it may be different from the person sitting next to you, and that's okay. Try to be intentional about spending time in that pathway with God. Maybe you're not sure which one fit you best. That's okay. Try them all. God is in all of them. He is not hiding from us. Jeremiah 29.13 says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. He is seeking you in the place he wired you to be. The band is going to come up and close us out. And as they're getting ready, I want to take a second and remember how cool it is that we have a God who knows us this well, who wired us this uniquely, who cares about us enough as individuals to meet us on our pathway. So as we stand and we sing this last song, let it be our ask of God. Let it be our prayer that we could stand in his presence, being washed over by his love in a way that leaves us wanting nothing more than him. I invite you to please stand. Let's sing those words that are. Uh...